Blog Talk Radio. The following is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Beckham Z Jam down by the seaside. Beckham Z Jam wins the Breeders' Crown. It's Rock and Run. Mick Wicked on the inside. Mick Wicked to win the Jim York Memorial. Fear the Dragon fights on down by the seaside on the outside. Fear the Dragon down by the seaside. Down by the seaside. And Brian Sears gets up to do it. Keystone Velocity getting closer. Mel Mar looking for the line. Keystone Velocity. Keystone Velocity takes it at the very end. All bets off. Keystone Velocity. Keystone Velocity. And Dan Dubay to win the Potomac Pace. This guy's the Energizer Bunny as they head to the wire fire your guns. Here he comes. Foiled again. He keeps going and going and going and going and going. You're tuned in to the official podcast of the sport of harness racing post time with Mike and Mike with co-hosts Mike Carter and it's bus 936 at bus 936 on the wings of an angel and Mike Bozich outside heaven rocks but the clock's running out fill a bus to Hanover wins the Commodore Ferry going and going Another rendition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by the USDA and Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And uh, listen, you know, you know, what is this about you're missing school in your area? What, what, what is going on here? Listen, the, the kids went to school at 5 o'clock this morning around here. And we had ice. Okay. I, I don't know what to tell you. I think it's the depart. Like I said, I think it, it's the Department of Transportation. Uh, listen, Barry told me you tried to call out of work this morning, so uh, you know I don't want to hear <laughs> no, that. Okay, no, I was here bright and early. I wanted to make sure I clocked in. <laughs> Anyways, well, what a listen. You know, you've got I've got ice, you've got snow. It seems this is a little bit flipped. Normally, it's the other way around. We've got the snow, you guys have got the ice, and uh, you know, but uh, the current situation at Harris, you get to call through the snow today, my friend. Yeah, absolutely, and I do want to give everybody an update on the weather out here because uh, tonight at Dover Downs is uh, for uh, matron finals, and I know you got horsemen coming from a lot of different areas, and of course got 12 races here today at Harris, Philadelphia. So right now, the way it looks, first of all, it's snowing. It doesn't really appear to be sticking all that much, and it's going to be more of a wintry mix. It's supposed to give way to rain this afternoon, uh, Mid to upper 30s, uh, but a good northeast wind at about 25 miles per hour, and uh, the chance of precipitation is 100%. So we're looking for one to three inches of snow before the snow quits, and then sometime this afternoon it's supposed to turn into rain. So wintry mix throughout the day, and uh, like I said, the wind could be a factor too at about uh, 25 miles per hour. So once again, if you're traveling here to Harris, Philly, or if you're traveling to Dover tonight for the matrons or anywhere on the East Coast, Please be careful. 
Yeah, definitely. The weather is uh, definitely a little bit uh, ferocious. One person who's not dealing with ferocious weather, our man and our uh, colleague Jason Beam, uh, has been calling or is going to be calling Gulfstream West over the next couple of weeks, Mike. And I wanted to, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't give him a shout out. Uh, you know, he, he hosts the Bet America Radio Network, uh, the thoroughbred side, and uh, he took his turn at uh, at uh, Gulfstream West yesterday, a three and a half year uh you know, a three and a half year break for Jason, and uh, he did one heck of a job. That's right. And if you go back in his archives, he's uh, he interviewed our man, Gabe Pruitt, on the, the thoroughbred side of the Bet America Radio Network a couple of days ago. And Gabe was telling a good story about how Pete Aiello kind of tricked him into calling down there. He said, Oh, don't worry about it, short fields, this and that. So Gabe doesn't look at the program until like, you know, what is it, hours before, and he sees a 12 horse field, 13 horse field, 14 horse field. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, Gabe got through it, and, and you got through it because you had a chance to call for a couple of days down there. And, and now it's uh, Jason's turn. And Darren Gagne, our man from Running Aces, called down there. So yep. Pete is really, really utilizing a lot of different voices to get through this meet, isn't he? Yeah, he you know he got he got needs to take a little bit of a vacation, needs a little bit of a break, and uh, you know I can't really say I blame him. So you know hats off, uh, hats off to those guys uh, down there. Well, Mike, let, let, let's get in, let's get to business, shall we? Let's 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 mm-hmm. get to business and uh, talk about a few things. Uh, we'll talk about our guest on the show, but Mike, one thing I do want to talk about: our show open will be changing soon. Uh, it is that time of year. It's the post time with Mike and Mike awards nominations close next Wednesday. And we are not short of nominations. I think we got just the, 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 the right amount of nominations, uh, so to speak, but, uh, listen, keep sending them in. We would love to hear who you guys want in each category. And, you know, this is one of those times of year, Mike, where our show open at the beginning will change and, uh, you know, host the race calls uh, from the previous year. That's right, and uh, it's always an exciting time. The post time with Mike and Mike Awards is, you know, has really grown. It's really taken on a life of their own, and and we've got seven terrific categories. And like you say, there's still time to get those nominations in. So make sure you check it out on the website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com. Just all you have to do is click the awards section, post time with Mike and Mike Awards, and uh, it's pretty self-explanatory. After that, you could nominate uh, one person for each individual category, and and I gotta tell you, like you say, we've gotten the a very good amount of nominations, some very interesting nominations, too. I think we're going to have some horse races in quite a few categories. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely it is. A couple of things to note, uh, myself and Mike Bozich uh, for Race Call of the Year are uh, disallowed, obviously, for obvious reasons. And Foiled Again is not eligible for the Iron Horse of the Year. We've got a uh, special presentation we'll be making to him the first part of December. We'll have more information on that as it becomes uh, available. But, Mike, what a show we have uh, for our guest today. We're going to talk to uh, Chuck Grubbs, and this is a gentleman who we're going to have on the program for the very first time uh, towards the bottom of the 11 o'clock hour. And uh, Chuck Grubbs, Mike, just won the Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge. And what a lot of people don't know is that he's a regular harness guy. Uh, He's a regular harness better, and uh, winning the Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge uh, was something that he was super proud of. Yeah, and, uh, you know, from what I've heard, I've had a couple of people actually ask me, oh, you're, you've got Chuck Grubbs on the show coming up on Thursday, and they say that Chuck is the real deal as far as handicapping. I oh, mean, yeah. he is a true uh, a true hardcore handicapper, uses a lot of different things to his advantage, works very, very hard, and uh, makes some good money at it. And congratulations to him 
is you know it's good to see a harness guy go to the thoroughbred mm-hmm. side and and take it down, show them how it's done. Them thoroughbred handicappers, they they think they're all that, but you know what? Our harness guy <laughs> went and taught him something. That's very true. And he not only did he teach him something, he taught him something with a trainer that was 0 for 43 coming into the Breeders' Cup. Uh, so that, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have to ask him about that because I know that had to be kind of weighing on his mind a, a little bit as well. Uh, we're going to talk to our man Joe Panaccio. Boy, uh, the state of racing in Florida was really shaken up uh, last week when uh, when uh, the bill about Greyhound racing uh, went through. We'll talk to Joe Panaccio about that. Talk to him about his amateur driving career, Mike, and uh, we're also going to talk to Noel Daly, and boy, what a story this is, Mike. Uh, Noel Daly will head back to Australia, and it's interesting because when we were in Lexington covering the sale, there was a syndicate uh, purchasing a horse to take to Australia for, I think it was uh, 280 or some thousand dollars, and I believe that that horse is going to the Noel Daly stable, so we'll have to ask him about that. Yeah, it's, I mean, very interesting. Sad to see Noel go, but I'll tell you what, what a heck of a year he has had. He's got some real firepower, and he's had over the last couple of years. And we're going to talk to uh, Noel a little bit about that. And uh, Plus, I, I do want to say, and I know this isn't a part of the show, but I do want to give a shout-out to my good friend Jim Baviglia because he's got a release of a new book coming out today, and it's called Playing Back the 80s. And give it a look. Uh, I think you could buy it on Amazon. Uh, Google. I think there's a bunch of different places you can buy it, but check it out. Of course, for those of you who don't know, Jim Baviglia is the track announcer at the Downs at Mohegan Sun Poke, and a great guy, great announcer, and uh, really a music aficionado. And uh, so he's got a new book coming out today, Playing Back the 80s, so make sure you check it out. Uh, it's on Google or Amazon, and a lot of different book places that, you know, you, you know me, Mike, I don't really read all that much. But uh, you know, I will well. certainly check. I certainly will check out this book. You know, Listen, <laughs> maybe we can get Jimmy to give us a couple to give out on the show. That'd be nice. Have him autograph Thank it. You, you know, have him autograph it. We'll give it out. And, you know, as long as uh, you didn't write it, we'll be in good shape. So, uh, you know, you know, well, you know. <laughs> I'm that's just why you write the press. Like, that's right. You write the, that's why you write the press releases. Yeah. Anyway, the, let's uh, for those who don't know, I'm going to cut you off right there for a minute. For those who don't know, even when Mike Bozich sends the press releases, he puts my name on it. So if he, so if he screws it up, uh, they, they, they have somebody to eat. That's right. Every every press release I write is written by Mike Carter. <laughs> All right, let's get the ball rolling. When we come back, it's Joe Panaccio. We're going to talk about the state of racing in Florida. We're going to talk about the Greyhound ban and does it or does it not affect the sport of harness racing, and maybe it will or won't in the future. We'll uh, talk to the expert, Joe Panaccio, when more when we come back. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by the United States Trotting Association and Bet America. Looking to bet on great racing from around the country and around the world? There's no better place than BetAmerica.com. But there's also no better time to join because right now we're offering a 100% sign-up bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Simply open a new account at BetAmerica, make your first deposit, and we'll add your bonus immediately. It's that easy. Sign up today at BetAmerica.com. 
Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. You're tuned in to the Bet America Radio Network. Host Jason Bean brings you new shows every Monday through Friday. We bring you the best personalities from across the racing world with extensive interviews, commentary, news, games, and more. The Barn is revolutionizing what horse racing radio can be. And you can hear new shows at BetAmerica.com or just search Bet America Radio Network on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Get in the Barn. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USTA. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. Mike Carter's back at the USTA studios, and I'm here as uh, the snow continues to fall at Harris, Philadelphia. Once again, for those of you, uh, for those horsemen traveling here to Harris, Philadelphia today, or for those horsemen that are traveling to Dover tonight for the matrons, please be careful and safe on the roads. Right now, we're joined by the head of the Florida Harness Horseman, Joe Panaccio. And, uh, Joe, a little bit uh, of a uh, – I don't know if it was so much a bombshell because I'm sure that with with your political connections, you probably saw it coming a little bit. But uh, certainly a, a little bit of a shakeup to us in the fact that Greyhound Racing uh, is banned. I believe that's starting in 2020 in the Sunshine State. Is that correct? That is correct, Mike. But let me start by saying it's 83 degrees and sunny here in Papano Beach. And uh, – we're not worried about the snow, but anyway. 83 and sunny. Uh, All right. Well, Joe, listen. Well, Joe, listen. We certainly appreciate you joining the show today. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, uh, I, I think it's fair to say in my eight years of being up in Tallahassee and watching what's gone on politically, it was the handwriting was on the wall. Unfortunately for the Greyhound horsemen, uh, dogmen, whatever they call themselves, uh, they've been under tremendous pressure, political pressure. Uh, you know, many, many animal rights groups have been up there, uh, you know, going after them. And when they finally got it on the ballot, uh, I, I think the handwriting to your using your, your quote was on the wall that they were going to get defeated. Uh, and yes, it's uh, dog, dog racing is over in 2020. And, um, you know, barring, I'm sure there'll be some appeals along the way, but I, I think it's safe to say um, that that it is unless something dramatically changes here in Florida, that that it, it's over for them. Um, I, I think there are seven states left in the United States that race dogs paramutually at this point in time. Um, you know, and there's probably close to 40 that have outlawed it. So uh, it's a total tough, tough road 
So for those guys, um, your point, uh, you know, well taken as where does this go? And um, I think in fairness, uh, you know, horsemen uh, have to understand that where a casino company owns a racetrack, you know, they'd be very happy to get rid of racing. Uh, I can't think of any around the country where it's owned by a casino company, uh, you know, and not by some private group um, that they wouldn't be happy to do without horse racing and not put up money for purses and so on and so forth. And the fact that most of them didn't get their casino without a horse racing uh, venue doesn't seem to affect them at all. They don't, you know, that's in the past, as far as they're concerned, they have their permits and um, you know, they'd be happy, especially I'll speak specifically to Florida I mean, El Dorado Casino, which bought this property uh, in May of 2017, um, has worked uh, diligently to get rid of us since the first day. Um, They're pushing uh, on every aspect imaginable, including uh, currently applying for a summer highlight permit. Uh, They also have uh, their CEO announced in their quarterly call that they are pursuing decoupling. so it doesn't stop. You know, the battle continues. Um, of course, it's always the case. You know, they have so much more money to work with than we do. Um, you know, and we do the best we can. You know, our job is to put on the show and uh, make it a good show for the for the public as, as we can. Um, and, and we continue to do that. Uh, you know, we are a seasonal track uh, from that standpoint. And, and it's a great, great place to race uh, December, January, February. Uh, there are lots of difficulties in the other months, so it shouldn't be so difficult. I think there are ways where it could be so much better down here, but El Dorado is not interested in any of that. They're just interested in getting rid of us. And uh, I don't think they make any bones about that. They're they're not lovers of harness racing and uh, uh, you know, they'll do every little thing they can along the way to make it difficult. Um, Joe, let me throw this uh, at you. Joe, let me throw this at you real quick because I, you know, um, Decoupling, and, and I know it's is close to a knockout blow to harness racing. Not only in the state of Florida, but if you take it a look at take a look at it on a national level, okay. Um, I, I think decoupling is is close to a knockout blow. It may not be a total knockout blow because I think harness racing would still exist. It would obviously be on an extremely smaller scale than it exists today. But I mean, this banning of the sport is a complete knockout blow. I mean, they, make, make no bones about it. But I guess right. my question is, is that, and I know that, you know, harness racing and, and to an extent horse racing in general, when you include the thoroughbreds, you know, isn't necessarily mainstream except for one time of year. I mean, well, maybe just besides the Breeders' Cup, but Kentucky Derby. I mean, you've got hundreds of thousands of people that watch it. You've got millions of people that watch it. 100,000 people attended. It's as close to mainstream as horse racing is going to get. Do you ever foresee anything like with knowing how popular an event like the Kentucky Derby is and how mainstream an event like the Kentucky Derby is? Do you think that's kind of all of horse racing shield to protect us against something like what we saw in the Greyhound band in Florida? Uh, Mike, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I don't know that what the thoroughbreds do. They are just so much bigger than us in every way. Um, fortunately for us in Florida, I must tell you that the thoroughbred horsemen have stuck by us uh, every every year in Tallahassee. They've been side by side with us, uh, fighting to keep these guys from decoupling. Um, and they have a lot less to lose than we do, obviously, because 
uh, they don't need a casino at Gulfstream. They, 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 they handle with such enormous uh, uh, paramutual uh, through the windows that uh, they, they make plenty of money. Uh, but I do think that the, the caution is the ripple effect that you've talked about. Um, many, many, many of the horsemen that I know and talk to just take the opinion that can't happen to us. That can't happen to us. And I'm sorry to tell these guys that all it takes is a couple of guys in some state house to start saying, why do we pay these guys money? And, and there you go. And, and that's the beginning. Um, so I, I think that there, there could be a domino effect. I think that uh, uh, where the sport goes, if something like that happens, I, I, I point to things that, you know, we grew up around uh, that are still great, great events in harness racing, whether it's the little brown jug, or it's the Hamiltonian or any one of those races, but they are not uh, what they once were. Um, you know, so, and then if we go to the horse side, you know, I, I'm on the USDA directors committee and, and we've bred less and less horses over the last 20 years. So, uh, you know, the sport is contracting from that standpoint, but the sport needs to get healthier. I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, there, there are places that we need to, to your point. I mean, you know, we need somebody to step up and be the, and be the place where the big races are held. I mean, uh, there are so few places that are owned, uh, anymore by uh, a former horse guy who used to be a big owner or whatever, who really wants to make it better, um, today, you know, than the ones that are owned by casino companies who are trying to get rid of us. So, um, you know, I often say, thank God I'm not 25 years old because I don't know where it would be 25 years from now. Um, it, it, it's, a, it, it's a difficult problem. And unfortunately, Mike and Mike, the problem, as you guys know, is we can't get two horsemen to agree the fact that today is Thursday. So if we can't even get them to agree on what day of the week it is, how are you going to get all of these venues to come together and have – we should have a one – solid group of people who are fighting this thing, you know, year round and it never stops. Who are on top of it, who go go around it. Um, But I can tell you personally for us down here, that as soon as something happens down here and we have to get involved legally, you know, we have to hire an attorney. These guys have return, you know, attorneys on retainers. It doesn't cost them anything. We we don't have a lot of money. So now we're fighting. It's just a difficult, difficult battle, especially for us. It's a small track who, by the way, is an island, uh, I think our closest uh, racetrack is Rosecroft, which is probably 900 miles away. I mean, uh, so if, if you do away with harness racing at Pompano, the state is done. Uh, it'll be over. The sport will be over. All those jobs will be gone. The ripple uh, effect jobs will be gone, whether it's the, uh, you know, the, the local gas station, diner, uh, you know, the vets, the blacksmiths and all that. All those jobs are gone. Uh, and of course, the thousands and thousands of people who work in the industry. So, Joe, let me let me, let me interrupt you for one. Joe, yeah. let me interrupt you for one second because because I do yeah. have an interesting question, and I know that, and I'm not uh, very privy of of all what's going on politically in Florida, um, but from the little parts that I read, I guess that there were some strange bedfellows in kind of uh, crafting this legislation. I know that animal rights groups have, uh, you know, have had a big part of it. Um, you know, kind of teaming up with uh, casino interest to put money uh, towards that piece of legislation. Um, on our end, um, and I know that there has been, and, and 
I don't know if it's a coordinated effort, but certainly by state commissions, there has been some kind of effort to pass some kind of whipping rules. And it seems like that it's different in each individual state as opposed to a uniform kind of thing. Now, I know John Campbell and some others really want to make it a uniform kind of thing. Um, Do you believe that we should put a lot of – what am I trying to say here with these – uh, animal rights activists, do you think they could pose as much of a danger to us as some of the other things in our sport? Because I know they had uh, quite a bit to do with, with uh, the, the Greyhound ban in Florida. Uh, I agree 100%. And the fact that guys are, uh, nationally are talking about changing uh, whipping rules, and, uh, and, and I've taken the time to speak to some of the top drivers in the sport, um, but I would tell you when you consider who the opponent will be, which is PETA and, and various other animal rights groups, if you, don't, if you have a whip in your hand, they're coming after you and saying it's cruel. Uh, now, you can say one line in each hand and you can't raise your arm above your shoulder. None of that means anything to them. It means plenty to us as horse people. And the fact that some and the drivers will tell you, I need a whip to control the horse if he gets out of control and whatever – doesn't mean anything to them. So, Mike, I agree with you totally, and I seriously doubt that all of us in this industry are going to have the wherewithal to step up and say we're not going to have a whip, and I can't believe it just came out of my mouth because I was always a proponent of saying you can't do that. But, uh, you know, we're staring down the barrel of the shotgun now, and, uh, you know, if if guys want to take this part of it off the table, because we can defend how we treat our animals. We can defend the way our animals are treated in the barn and how, how they are cared for and, uh, you know, all of that. And, and very few people could come after us on those issues. They'll definitely come after us on the whip. I don't think there's any question about it. And, uh, you know, the horsemen are going to have to come to grips with the fact. But I just think many, many of the horsemen are going to say, oh, they can't get us. They can't get us. They can't get us. And so I don't have an answer. I don't have a crystal ball. Uh, I think you make a great point and a great question. And I think everybody is going to have to deal with it. But I, I assure you that most horsemen are going to tell you no, 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 no. Uh, you know, I know. Yeah, Alan you know, and, and honestly, of, Joe, I, I could kind of, I mean, I could kind of, and I could kind of see their point, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, if you get an unruly horse out there, a lot of times that, you know, I mean, a whip could be used as a, as a corrective tool is more so yeah. of a tool that, you know, make, makes him go fast. So I certainly, you know, can understand that point, but Joe, I do want to switch gears a little bit before we let you go. So we're starting to run yeah. short on time. And I do want to ask you about the amateur drive, but on a little bit of a lighter note, how's that going? Oh, it's been great. I had the greatest summer of my career, uh, racing up, uh, up North racing, uh, the Meadowlands and, uh, and Yonkers and Monticello. I had a great time. Then we went to Italy uh, with my, my brothers in crime there, uh, Olford and Spriggs and Walker and, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and Scotty Wugan. And uh, we had a great time racing over there. Uh, I actually won a race in Italy, so it doesn't get to be more fun. But I, I tell you what gets overlooked in some cases uh, that doesn't get overlooked in Pompano is these guys bring lots of horses to the sport. And, mm-hmm. and if they weren't in the amateur driving clubs, they might not own as many horses as they own. Um, you know, I make a joke about Olford and Spriggs, and I would tell you that if you called them today and said, listen, there's an amateur race here at Chester this afternoon, they'd figure out how to get there. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, <laughs> these two guys will go anywhere on the planet, and, and they'd go to the moon to race. So we have a very, very healthy club here in Florida. We race twice a week. 
every Sunday night. Uh, we have multiple guys wanting to get in and, and, and add to the fun. Um, we enjoy it. Uh, to me, it's, it's great fun. Of course, I'm becoming the elder statesman of the group. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't know how many more years I'll be, I'll be trucking around out there, but right now it remains great fun and a lot of enjoyment. I can't tell you, uh, you know, at at my age to have this kind of summer I had, uh, to win as many heats as I won was just uh, remarkable. As a matter of fact, I kept telling the guys, thank you for letting me win. Thank you for letting me win. Uh, so, well, listen, Hey, listen, buddy, highly competitive group. Yeah. Well, one last Joe, thing listen, before we... you go, I know you got nailed yep. Noel Daly on later. I just want to tell you one of the greatest people that I've ever met in this in, in, this, in this industry uh, has always been a very, very nice person to me and to my family, and I love him for that, and I wish him the very best of luck in the future. All right. Well, listen, Joe, we certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy, and we'll certainly keep tabs on what's going on down there, my friend. We'll have to check in with you maybe in another couple months or so. Thanks, Mike, and Mike. Have a great day, bud. All right. That was uh... – Joe Panaccio just joining us, and uh, we always love when our guest puts over our next guest. You know, that's that's always that's always a good <laughs> thing. But uh, but you know, just and I don't want to dwell on this subject because we'll move on. But I just I just want to wrap and and kind of wrap that thing up. What I was saying because I thought that was a very important conversation with Joe Panaccio. But Greyhound Racing never really made the mainstream, and I think that was a big part of Greyhound Racing's problem in my opinion, um, you know, when, honestly, like I know that racing doesn't get a lot of TV coverage. Okay. But it, between the thoroughbreds who obviously get more than the harness, but even harness racing gets more TV coverage than Greyhound. I mean, Greyhound racing was really not anywhere near the mainstream. And I, I think, you know, if, if there are interests that are going to take the tact on our sport, as they did with Greyhound Racing, I think it would be considerably tougher. Yeah, I, I could agree with that statement. I, you know, it's weird because Greyhound Racing, um, if you look at it in New Zealand and Australia compared to the United States, it's so mainstream. Uh, look at Heather mm-hmm. Vital, who's uh, who's over there right now, and uh, she was actually covering a dog event uh, last night. Uh, so. You know, you know, there, there's different things, uh, you know, to help market each other. But yeah, I, I agree when you say that it wasn't very mainstream over here. It never did make the big time, so to speak. No, never did at all. Never did at all. So anyway, we certainly appreciate Joe Panaccio joining us. Noel Daly will be joining us here in just a couple of minutes. Plus, Chuck Grubbs. Uh, it's been a while since we've had a professional handicapper on the program, so Chuck Grubbs will be joining us, and we're going to find out some tips and tricks. I'm going to tell you what, I know I've got my pad and pencil ready. I'm going to take down some notes as Chuck's talking. <laughs> See what he well, that's because you, you lost your entire bankroll in your house last year, so, you know. Mm, yeah, that, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm living in the booth here. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Listen, if you've, seen, uh, if you've never been in his booth, the armchair up there is really comfortable. That's all I'm saying. It's very nice. That's right. I'm still going to start charging people to sit in it. Anyway, uh, before we get to Noel Daly, I do want to mention uh, a couple of uh, horses that are retiring to stud, and we're going to be with our good friends at Widback in New York, Courtly Choice. How about that, Mike? The Meadowlands Pace winner, Little Brown Jug oh, yeah. winner, will be standing at Winback, New York in 2019. And so will Boston Red Sox, 2015 two-year-old Cole Pacer of the Year Breeders' Crown Champion. He'll be standing at Winback of New York as well. That's coming up in 2019. And by the way, uh, the great folks at Winback wanted me to extend a big thank you to all the 
horsemen and horsewomen that participated in the sales over the last uh, month and a half, couple months or so. It, it was a real good time. They did really, really well. Sales numbers were up, so everybody's really happy. And on behalf of uh, everybody at Windback Farm, I just want to thank all the horsemen and horsewomen for participating in the sale. Noel Daly is coming up at the top of the hour in just a minute on the other side of this time out. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America and the United States Trotting Association. Mike Bozich here along with Mike Carter for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a wheelchair or scooter? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application. If eligible, you may receive funding. Again, that's pacingforthecure.org. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer, driver, or owner? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2017 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2018 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st through October 31st. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers, trainers, and owners. Once again, that's pacingforthecure.org. You're tuned in to the Bet America Radio Network. Host Jason Bean brings you new shows every Monday through Friday. We bring you the best personalities from across the racing world with extensive interviews, commentary, news, games, and more. The Barn is revolutionizing what horse racing radio can be. And you can hear new shows at BetAmerica.com or just search Bet America Radio Network on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Get in the Barn. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the USTA and Bet America. Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. We're joined now by a trainer, Noel Daly. Noel, how are we doing this morning? Uh, good, guys. All good. Noel, let's t- let's talk a little bit about uh, about the upcoming move. Uh, you head overseas uh, later on this month. Uh, let's kind of talk about what, uh, what went into that decision and uh, what the plans are over there. I'd been planning on doing it for a while, you know, all my family's at home. Uh, I got a young son about to start school and um if I basically I came my plan was to come to America for six months and I stayed twenty nine years, so uh, <laughs> my time was up and um you know, it was the the hard part was getting uh somewhere to go that I could you know, still make a living out of it. Like it's not that easy down there. A lot of good trainers sort of struggled to make a decent living and um Fortunately enough, I was able to uh, do a deal with uh, a, you know a, a very big owner over there, Emilio Rosati, who was in the midst of building himself his dream property, he, um, and we worked out a deal together that you know I think it'll be beneficial to both of us. Noel, uh, like you say, you, met, you meant to come here for six months. You stayed here 29 years, and I'll tell you what, you've just had a, a great career over here, a lot of uh, great horses, uh, including over the past couple of years. I mean, right now your uh, stable is certainly doing very, very good things. Um, tell us a little bit about what the differences are in this sport when you talk about harness racing in North America versus harness racing in Australia. Uh, yeah, it's still got a, you know, they've, they've got a lot of the same problems we've, we've got here, you know, it's a, a bit of a, a dwindling um, of people, customers and whatever, but uh, Australia was always, honestly, 20 years in front of here as far as the gambling side of it. You know, when I first came here, I couldn't believe that you, you know, you couldn't 
you know, you you had to go to a racetrack to be, you know, betting on on that track or even any other tracks. You know, simulcasting was just getting started. Uh, even back then, Australia had what they call the TABs, but you know, every it was very convenient to go to little betting shops basically everywhere. Um, and as it developed over the years, now it's uh, you know, Australia is a very you know, they're a gambling culture, I guess, but it, it's from um, 8 o'clock in the morning till basically midnight, you can go down to your local bar uh, and sit and watch and, and bet on, you know, you might start off with Greyhound Racing at 8 o'clock in the morning in, in New Zealand because of the time difference and end up with um, thoroughbred jumps races in, in Great Britain, you know, at 11 o'clock at night, but they cater to uh, cater to the gambler. It's an entertainment thing. They, you know, they cater day and night basically for them. You know, and that's uh, that that's the one thing. But you know, you you get people who go along there won't even know anything about it, but they can watch the races and they'll, they'll sit down, and have lunch there. You know, if it's half an hour, or an hour, or whatever, and you know, they might bet on you know a numerous number of races that they know nothing about really, but just for the entertainment value of it. Uh, I know you're just talking about greyhound racing. Greyhound racing had its problems down there in Australia too, but a lot more mainstream even than than here. And the fact that they, you know, they can race that uh, it, it, it's so quick and the turnover is great. That you know, they, there's a million little tracks there, and you know, they might they'll program them really not for customers that actually attend the track, but for the the gambler at home or at the local bar. You know, that you know they might they might start programming them at nine o'clock in the morning or just just whatever fits into a time slot where they think they're going to get the best betting turnover now no obviously uh you know we we see training styles uh from like sweden and europe and things they obviously differ from those of them you know in america does your training style did your training style change at all when you came over here and when you go back will it change any any or will it kind of stay uh the normal regimen yeah it you know uh, uh, Definitely, like there's a lot in Australia. There's not as much mile racing like they have distance racing, so there'll be a little bit of adapting to do. Um, there, you know, it depends on your facilities and that too. Like I think even here in America, it's well the horses change and they're going so quick. They, you know, they're, they're getting close to thoroughbred speeds, but that means they're they're a different animal to what they were. You know, they they don't take the amount of of racing or training that they used to, you know, they're basically speed kills. So, you know, if you want to be training, training them hard and racing them regularly, they they don't last as long, you know. I think everyone's lightened up, you know, big time on on the amount of training that they do do give to the horses. Um, you know, I'll, I'll I'll have to adjust a little bit when I get down there as well. I'm going to start out just with two-year-olds to start with. And so, you know, it's, we'll, we'll work our way up from there. But, um, you know, where I'm going, is, is the facilities are going to be second to none. It's, you know, putting in everything I want, basically straight away, sand tracks, you know, swimming pools, water walkers, whatever I want he's putting in. So it's, it's giving, me the, giving me the tools to, to give it a good go, you know. 
Visiting with trainer Noel Daly. Noel, let's uh, let's ask you about a couple of the horses that you've got coming up in stakes action uh, at the Meadowlands. Uh, you've got Caviar Alley and boy, I'll tell you, she just raced absolutely huge in the Breeders' Crown. She was outgamed by uh, another fantastic mare horse that's uh, certainly in Horse of the Year considerations and talks, and that's uh, Sharton. But you certainly have to be impressed with her and how she has handled herself in the 2018 campaign. Yeah, you know, she's she's been a great mare for us, you know, fortunate you know, we're fortunate enough to get her for thirty five thousand there as a baby. I had I had actually had her older brother, uh only had two out of the family and was fortunate enough I had the right two out of the family out of a horse called Speed Hanover. I think he was the second foal out of the mare who won a two year old British crown for me. Um he was a three quarter brother to her. He was a Cam Scarred Shark, she's a better to life. And she's a very different style of horse to him, but she's uh like she's a bulldog, she's a well better so like she's got a bit of size to her, you know, usually they're stocky horses, but she's also, you know, she's a she's a big mare and uh the biggest asset is, you know, she's not fragile as much as she uh my my biggest uh my biggest concern is keeping weight off her, which is always a good thing, you know, you don't have to worry about ones not eating after they race or whatever. I always thought she would, out of last year's crop of three-year-olds, there were, there were a good crop of three-year-old fillies there, but just looking at them, I was more confident mine would come back more than the others, and I think next year she'll be even better, you know. She's just uh, yeah. she's a very hardy mare. And another horse that I want to mention, a two-year-old filly trotter that I just absolutely love, and I have no idea how she went off 9-2 to two in the Gardens, uh, Garden State of Meadowlands, and that's uh, Princess Dale. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, Princess Dale, I believe she's headed for the Goldsmith Maid. What a talented young trotter she is, boy. She's just, in my opinion, just visibly impressive on the racetrack. And she will get better. She's a very big filly, but not, you know, she's not heavy. She's, but she will spill out into a gorgeous filly there next year. She, um, and you know what? She was just from from day one. I just had a sneaky suspicion she was pretty good. She was, she's a bit of a handful, you know. She can, she's got a bit of attitude. She can kick at you and whatever. But you know, just uh, I said to my said to my partners and my friends along the way, I said, I've got a feeling this one's a good one. But, you know, I don't know until she gets there. If the attitude's right, I said she's going to be. And, um, you know, I I, I love her. Um, You know, I wouldn't swap her for anything apart from the the system to explosive matter, which I was actually instrumental in breeding, that Woodside Charm, she's a freak. You know, we we, we can't go with her. But, you know, she'll, um, I think next year she'll be a super good filly, you know. Yeah, no question about it. And another horse I wanted to mention, uh, Duddy's Laura, I believe, coming up in the Governor's Cup eliminations. Your thoughts? Very unfortunate that he drew where he did. I, I do, you know, he's obviously going in there with only four starts. Uh, I think he's got a ton of potential, the horse. Um, you know, obviously it was a bit of a, put him in with a bit of a wing and a prayer there against the more seasoned ones, but he's drawn the outside there with but we've only got to beat three home. Um, you know, if he makes it through this week, it it wouldn't shock me if he gives him a big shake there next week. But you know, and just see how it goes. He's again. He's got a few issues. You know, he can. We had the back. He qualified super. He's first qualified out of the Netherlands. They knocked back a lot of money for him. And he, he got a little ouchy on me, but they they're good. The bunch of guys that own him, they were all they kept telling me, kept, you know, no hurry. There's no hurry, which was great. To you know, we uh, we gave him the time. He he swam and just hung out. He really we never stopped with him. 
Um, but I do think he's got a lot of talent. He's just, you know, he's in a bit of a tough spot there. But, but if he gets through the to the final this week and get any sort of trip, he's, you know, he's not out of that race. No, no, obviously uh, the sales contingent uh, just ended Lexington and, of course, Harrisburg. Uh, was there any purchases made that you're uh, kind of looking forward to uh, maybe trading overseas or are all those purchases pretty much going to stay here? Yeah, no, that was uh, Emilio. Emilio only bought, bought the one. He bought the sister to Lily Stride for, for Mark Harder there. But she will stay here uh, to race at two and three and then head home. Um, I do get to take three of his older ones home, and they were going home regardless. You know, Emilio races a pair of younger, and then he takes them home either to breed them, uh, or in this case, we're going to race a few of them. Uh, Blue Moon Strides coming home. Uh, Lily Stride won the Breeders' Crown for him. She's come, she's coming home. Uh, another three-year-old, the well, Brad Philly, who's been okay, and Mushka Stride. The three of them are going to come home at the end of the year. Um, and we will try racing them all, see how we go down there. But um, the yearling, he, he'll keep buying you know, something here for, for Mark each year. He's had a good relationship with him over the years. So um, then the rest, now he's built up a pretty strong band of broodmares down there. I think he said he's got 29 or 30 of them. Uh, so he doesn't need to buy a lot of yearlings down there. You know, He'll buy a couple, but um, we're basically going to focus on, on his homebreds for a start. Fantastic. Well, no, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Best of luck to you down in Australia. Obviously, uh, safe travels to you. And uh, listen, they've got telephones over there in Australia, so I'm sure we'll be able to keep in touch with you. <laughs> okay, thanks, guys. All right, that was trainer at Old Daily. And, uh, well, I'll tell you what, uh, some horses that he's pretty high on, including uh, Princess Deo, Duddy's Lauren, uh, Caviar Alley, who's just, you know, been unbelievable. She's actually one of my favorite racehorses, you know, the heart that she has. But uh, she ran, or I shouldn't say she ran, she raced up against a buzzsaw in Charlton in that uh, Breeders' Crown stretch drive. That was one heck of an exciting stretch drive. Yeah, it was. Uh, watching those two slug it out and do battle. And uh, listen, we're going to see him slug it out and do battle again in the TVG next week. Uh, I'm really looking for that uh, for more than one reason, Mike. I think Horse of the Year honors uh, are need to be talked about for Chartin if Chartin can win the uh, TVG next week. Yeah, there, there's a couple of. I saw you uh, start that Facebook post and uh, you you, there's a couple of them ready to string you up on that. Well, you know, they, there there wasn't any. The thing, the nice thing about it was, and I think we can all agree, you know, social media sometimes is used as a targeting platform, and uh, in this case, it wasn't used as a targeting platform. There was a lot of good spirited conversation, nobody attacking yep. somebody else for feeling the way they did, and uh, you know that that was the point of that conversation. Yeah, and it was a good conversation. You know what? And I, you know, people like you that vote in all these kinds of things, I appreciate as a harness racing fan you putting that out there because you know i think more people that vote should do that should put their feelings out there and let it be debated i think that's a great way to get conversation started and and that's a great way to get fans involved so uh you know hey i appreciate you doing that as a racing fan my friend but uh, we still got lots left to come on this edition of post time with mike and mike presented by bet america and the united states drawing association Get your notebooks and get your pens ready because we're going to get some harness racing handicapping tips from Chuck Grubbs. That's coming up next, plus a lot more left on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. Back in a moment. 
At BetAmerica, we don't do promotions only for new players. As a regular player at BetAmerica.com, you can take advantage of several promotions each week. Go to BetAmerica.com slash extra and visit our promotions calendar and find out how you can get double wager reward points on our featured tracks. It's just another reason why it's time to play the BetAmerica way. Harness Horse Youth Foundation has the power to bring a life-changing experience to any child. We introduce youth to the horses and skills that build confidence, friendships, and a lifelong love of harness racing. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Check out the complete list of Harness Horse Youth Foundation camps and activities at hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. Are you a student looking to log volunteer hours or just someone interested in spending free time giving back in your local community? Pacing for the Cure could use your help. We need volunteers at local events to help with fundraising and to assist with the annual dinner party planning activities. Please email Janine at pacingforthecure.org for more information. Again, that's Janine at pacingforthecure.org. Mike? Pacing for the Cure annual sponsorship opportunities are available on the pacingforthecure.org website under the donor tab. Choose your sponsorship level or customize your own sponsorship package. This is a great time to reserve a table sponsorship at the annual Pacing for the Cure fundraising dinner party in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania in November. As always, there will be great food, entertainment, and prizes at the annual event. Visit pacingforthecure.org. back of this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. And listen, Mike said he appreciated me, and then I got disconnected. So obviously, uh, you know, he must have pushed the mash. There's a red X next to my name. I, I, he must have mashed it. That's that's exactly what happened. I don't know. what Did you catch what I was saying, though? I mean, as a no, racing I did not. fan, okay, as a racing fan, I appreciate the people that vote in these things. I appreciate the fact that you guys say who you're going to vote for, and then you put it up on social media for discussion. I think that's a really cool thing. You know what? It spurs good conversation. Um, you know, as long as it's productive conversation. I mean, you don't want anybody saying, hey, you're nuts, you know. But, I mean, what, it, it, I, I really appreciate you guys doing that. I think that's a really cool thing, and I wish more people did that. What? What? I just got disconnected. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. All right. Let's, let, let's end that conversation, and let's learn how to gamble a little bit from our man Chuck Grubbs. Chuck, how are we doing this morning? I know you're, uh, you're in bright, beautiful uh, Southern California, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, I was there uh, last weekend, and uh, actually a couple days ago I flew over here to Vegas, so it's uh, pretty nice outside right now. It's a little nippy, but beautiful sunshine and uh, having a great time. All right, we must have lost my Carter again. Chuck, you still there? Yes, I'm here. 
Okay, we, we're we having weather issues here. At least that's what the, our story is. We're going to stick by it. But uh, nonetheless, Chuck, this is fantastic because you're a harness racing guy. You go to the thoroughbred world, you conquer, you kick butt, you take names, and you collect cash. Tell us about, uh, and of course, we're talking about the Breeders' Cup contest. Tell us about your strategy going into that. And, uh, you know, tell us about the, maybe one or two of the races that kind of put you over the top. Uh, yeah, there was uh, 392 entries, and the best of the best. These guys are very good. This is what they do for a living, a lot of them. And uh, I went into the uh, contest planning on being aggressive. Uh, when I say aggressive, I was going to take a shot a couple times each day and make big bets and hope I was right. Fortunately, I was right once on Friday, once on Saturday, and uh, I was right in the the, the Breeders' Cup Classic, which is where I won all my money. But uh, it was an unbelievable feeling that uh, I wish all fellow handicappers and gamblers could uh, have happened to them in the course of their lifetime. It was a big score, and it just made me think of all the hard work I've put in over the last 25 years and, uh, you know, actually 35 years. Uh, I can't believe how old I am. I've been doing this since I was 18. Chuck, there's a lot of different ways. Let's talk a little bit about harness racing. There are a lot of different ways to look at a race, obviously, or a set of races, or a pick three, or a pick four, whatever wager you kind of like to do. And, and uh, you know, there are some things that people look for right away on the page. And, uh, you know, there are just so many different strategies, so, so many different things people use. What are some of the things that you like to do when you first open a racing program and you start to scope out a race or a series of races, what's the first couple things you like to do? Uh, the, fir- the first thing I'm looking at is barn changes. Uh, the second thing I'm looking at is driver changes. Third uh, thing I'm looking at is time off a horse that's maybe missed three weeks or four weeks or just, just, just racing to avoid the qualifying days. So there's so many factors that go in, but, people that don't think driver and trainer changes make a huge difference in waking up a horse or are the type of people I want to bet against because that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a, a top driver getting on a horse over maybe a guy that's driven it all of his life and it, the horse just can feel in the lines, the hands of someone different. You know, you know, Chuck, you bring you bring up an interesting point about you know it, people that don't think uh, that driver changes or big key, you know, key trainer changes are important. It's one of those things where where I kind of use the angle. I try to find the weakness in the public and play it. Is, is that something that you try to kind of do? Oh yeah, you're you're always you know every gambler's dream race is. Uh, a horse that's over bet. Uh, you know, you're always looking for value. A horse that's maybe not in the best of form. Uh, you know, I, I bet your old track, Mike. I bet Northfield as much <laughs> as anybody. So, if 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 Aaron Merriman, let's just say for instance, is on a horse that's maybe tailed off or off form, you know the horse is still going to be six to five or seven to five, even if he's a bad horse, because Aaron's Aaron and Ronnie are going to take so much of the money. So. My advice to the, the novices or, or even the intelligent players, the, the experienced players, is find a horse that Ronnie Wren or Aaron Merriman is overbet on and take your shot. That's where you're going to make the money. You, you know from the, being at Northfield the, the few years you were there, that they're, they're automatically even money or six to five on any adequate horse. 
You know, you know, it's interesting you say that because, uh, as Mike knows, Northfield's become my new uh, my new favorite track to play. Uh, now, now that I'm not there anymore. And, you know, I, I see those kinds of things all the time, you know, where, you know, they may get bet down to, you know, two to five, three to five. And, you know, uh, all of a sudden now Kurt Sugg or Ryan Stahl or somebody is eight or nine to one when they really should be about three to one. And, and those are the kinds of moments where you kind of have to capitalize. Absolutely. That That's what my advice to be to any player is sit there and wait. You don't have to bet every race. You can't win betting every race. Find a race where a Ryan Stahl, a Kurt Sugg, a Jason Merriman is four, five, six to one and is actually on the best horse, in your opinion. And uh, it happens once or twice a night. Uh, I love betting Northfield. I, I grew up betting it. Uh, I love to bet Northfield. I love to bet uh, Dover, which just opened. And I love to bet the Meadows because they're the only track really in the afternoon in the winter that races that, that uh, you know, I, I, I like to bet them and, uh, those are my three main tracks, and I've been betting them solid for, you know, 15, 20 years. But, uh, yeah, my, my advice to all gamblers is just look for value. And and when I say value, not necessarily look for a 15 or 20 to one shot. Look for a three to five shot that's vulnerable. Put him in some pick threes or pick fours. Throw the horse out. If you're right, you're going to get rewarded. Don't sit there and be like all the other squares and bet three to five to three to five to three to five and to pick threes and pick fours. That's what everybody else has got. Be different. Yeah, and that's a very interesting point. We're visiting with uh, professional handicapper uh, Chuck Grubbs. Uh, Chuck, let me ask you this. Um, it seems like a lot of handicappers fall into the same kind of traps if you will, uh, you know, I mean, like you say, you see horses that are bet down quite a bit that that shouldn't be. And I think a lot of the reason for that is, is I think handicappers kind of trick themselves. They overthink the situation. Well, you know, this horse can't be any good. He's 10 to one. If he, if he was any good, why is he morning line five to one and it up to 10 to one? You know, he, the horse must not be any good, you know, dead money, so to speak. Do you think handicappers tend to overthink situations in a lot of, th- a lot of times? But I think handicappers in general just don't put enough work in. That's where my advantage is uh, to watch replays. I got my iPad. I got my computer with me at all times. If I'm handicapping a race and I see a horse that's had, let's uh, say, the seven or eight hole the week before and he finished seventh or eighth, but I watch the replay and he, he, he rode the rail and run up into a blind switch or run into a wall of horses or had sneaky pace late, you know, that, that's, where, that's where if you're going to do this full-time, you've got to put the full-time effort into it. You've you got to treat it like a job like I do. Watch a lot of replays. The replays don't lie. Uh, video don't lie. And, and uh, I just that, – that's just my main – you know, I'm trying to help people out. I really am. I'm not holding anything back here. Watch replays. Get on there and watch replays. I know it's tedious. I know it's time-consuming. Watch replays you will find one or two horses at whatever track you choose if you put the time in, and you will be a successful handicapper, successful gambler if you put in the time. Now, if you show up at the track and think you're going to make money betting on, uh, you know, just because the horse is 6-5, to five, you're going to bet on it because, uh, you know, the betting public must be right at 6-5. to five. You're going to fall in the trap that a lot of people that, that don't do any good and, uh, you, know, blame the, you know, blame the track or blame the race secretary. No, it's all on you. Do your work like I do, and you'll be successful. 
You, you, you know, Chuck, it's interesting. There's another interesting fact that you say about uh, you talk about the watching the replays and doing your homework. It's something I had to do before uh, before going to the Breeders' Cup because uh, I hadn't seen a lot of those horses and I couldn't expect to just show up and say, you know what, we're going to try to bet on uh, you know Stormy Liberal or what have you. You know, and you you talked about um, you know finding horses maybe that had sneaky pace or maybe they got caught in a blind switch. Is there anything from a line like specific? Uh, when you're looking at a program that says, hey, I better watch that replay, or is it just something that you just kind of do, you know, as a hit or miss type of thing? Well, in harness racing, a lot of tracks don't have lines because they don't have somebody to do that, which, like I said, gives me even a bigger advantage. Thoroughbreds in the racing form, obviously, to the far right, they have comments and and, uh, and, and on every horse, every race, at every track. So it gives you a little idea. So if you look over and you see a horse that says uh, – uh, you know, uh, checked hard at the eighth pole or, or whatever, you know, you got to go back and look at that and say to yourself, how many lengths did this cost this horse? How many positions did it cost this horse? And like the first day of the Breeders' Cup, uh, I thought visually on replays, the newspaper of record, the filly on the turf, the two-year-old filly, I thought she just, she was probably my favorite horse of the two-day tournament. And uh, I really got fortunate. I took a European horse, the 14, which was named East, and I played six newspaper record with East with all for $20, and then newspaper record with all with East for $20 in a 14-horse field. And uh, and then I bet a little win bet on East in case, you know, coming from Europe, you just don't know how good they are. And uh, I got lucky. If you remember, it came 6, 14, 7. The 7 was 71 to 1, by far the longest shot. And I got uh, a three to five shot with a twelve to one shot, uh, and uh, which is this is just unheard of. And I got a eleven hundred dollar try. I basically got favored on top of third favorite, but the bomber third. I ended up with a twenty dollar try. Got back eleven thousand. And after the end of day one, that put me in eleventh uh, place. I think I was around eighteen thousand five hundred. And I just kind of hung around there, and then I dropped. And, and going into the Breeders' Cup Classic, I was at uh, 31st place. I had uh, $15,000, and the leader had 70 some. I had no thoughts of catching him. I was just trying to get in the money, you know, get a little prize, get a free entry into the uh, NHC here in Vegas. So I made a big win bet on Accelerate, and I bet a, a $40 try Accelerate with Gunavera the four and the eleven mind your biscuits with all, and then I bet a forty dollar try accelerate with all, with four eleven which is Gunavera and mind your biscuits and you know I got lucky I mean accelerate was the best horse I had six thousand and eighty to win on it so even if I don't hit the try I'm going to cash for twenty some thousand in that race but I got lucky I, I hit the try to try come back favorite price horse third horse was like 13 or 14 to one and the try paid 3200 i had a $40 try got back 64000 add my uh win bet to that and add my uh what i put in my pocket to take home with me and you add all that up and you get 94000 and i i won the tournament and hey i'd rather be lucky than good i think most gamblers will tell you that i'd rather be lucky than good yeah, there certainly is a, a little bit of luck involved. I mean, obviously, you know, you can't predict the trip. You, and, and there's still four-legged animals. So, I mean, you can't really predict how the horse feels that day. One final question, Chuck, before we let you go. How much credence, if any, 
do you put on watching horses warm up or score down or maybe watching horses in the post parade uh, before the race? Oh, well, uh, you know, scoring down, it's, it's hard if you're not at the track. You know, like, let's just take Northfields, for instance. The camera people, the video people do an awesome job. They try to show you every horse once or twice, but it's, it's hard. But the post parade, when they first come on the track, will tell you a lot. So, you know, in harness racing, you have the same horses racing week after week after week. So if a horse comes on the track nine weeks in a row and looks good, and then the tenth week he comes out and he's got a little nod to him, maybe left front or right front, he's just – you know the horse is off somewhere. You take that into consideration because of all the prior work you've put in by watching all the other post grades, and maybe that horse is 8-5. to five. Maybe he's 2-1. to one. You take a shot against him because there's obviously the horse isn't sound. They, the horses don't fake it. If, if a horse is limping, he's limping because he's hurt. So, yes, I, I take a lot. I watch all the post grades of all the tracks I, I follow. Good stuff. Well, Chuck, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Congratulations. It's good to see one of our guys in the harness end go into the thoroughbred realm and take down a big prize. And uh, listen, we'll have to check up with you real soon, my friend, and uh, best of luck to you at the windows. Hey, thank you, fellas, very much. It's it's great to be on your show. You guys are a uh, asset to the business with this show. Thank you guys very much. All right. Thanks, Chuck. That was uh, Chuck Grubbs, and uh, I'll tell you what. Some interesting stuff, and I, I, I'm not kidding you. I did jot down some notes, but I will tell you what. Yeah. There's one thing that he, there's one thing he said, Mike, that I think just basically trumps everything. Okay, if you're gonna do this, if you if you want to become a serious serious horse player, you've got to put the work into it. Yes, you do. That is a hundred percent truth. Replays are a huge part of it. Um, that helped me a lot during the Breeders' Cup weekend. Um, you know, it, it, it's just one of those things, man. If you don't put in the work, you're not going to reap the rewards of it. And he said something else that was pretty big, Mike. You don't have to bet every race. No. And you know, I think and, that's, and that's something I struggle with. A lot of people, including me. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, the, you know, at the Breeders' Cup, I took a couple of races off, and my dad was like, oh, okay, you're going to take a race or two off. Are you okay? Are you hurting for money? It's not that I'm hurting. It's just, you know, e- eventually you got to sit back and go, okay, you know, there's no value here. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm just going to take this race out and see what happens. Yeah. And, and you know what? And listen, if you take a race off, look at how many races there are per day. Okay, from the harness and the thoroughbred side. I mean, there's always there's always another race. Always. Right. Always another race. Always. All right. So that race. was that was good stuff, Mike. I'm glad we had Chuck on uh and we're gonna take one final timeout when we come back. We're gonna take just a very, very quick look once again at the weather, uh, because I'll tell you the snow's starting to accumulate here at Harris Philly. Uh oh, Mike. Yes. Yeah, it's starting to accumulate here. And I know the matrons tonight at Dover. So once again, all horsemen, please be really careful when you're traveling out here on the East Coast. If you're coming here today to Harris Philly, if you're traveling to Dover tonight for the matron, we're going to take one really quick time out and uh, we'll come back and wrap this thing up on Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by the USTA and Bet America. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. 
New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. Mike, I think after we get off the air, I think I'm going to do a Facebook Live just to show people what they're dealing with out here in the the snow here at Harris Philly. But I got to tell you, honestly, out of all the racetracks that I've called in as long as time as I've been doing this, ever recall calling in a decent snowfall? Huh. That's crazy to me. That that is that, that's, that's crazy. Absolutely. I mean, I pay, well, no, but here's the thing. I mean, I've called at Buffalo, and listen, I've called through some snow, <laughs> through some snow mm-hmm. now. It, it, it's definitely interesting. Oh, it snows up there in the winter. Of course, it snows. I didn't know that. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, Matron Stakes tonight uh, at Dover. Some really nice races. Uh, three-year-old Colton Gelding Trotters in race number four. You've got a good field here, Mike Carter. Metz Hall is the eight to five. Uh, second choice behind Six Pack, who is six to five. Of course, Six Pack had to scratch in the Breeders' Crown, but uh, you've got some other nice horses in here as well, including Fashion Woodchopper, Mississippi Storm, and some others. And that is going for two hundred and ten thousand dollars. And that's action tonight at Dover, my friend. Yeah, you know, I like Mets Hall, uh, you know, getting the rail uh, is made over a million dollars this year. Of course, six pack is a horse you always have to look out for. But Mets Hall has kind of been a victim of his own trips uh, in each of his races. He just can't get a good trip, can't get a good draw, finally gets a good draw tonight on the rail. Um, the question will be how uh, how difficult will the track be to navigate off the rail tonight? I think that's going to be uh, kind of the determining factor in the uh, fourth race. Uh, the sixth race, Mike, is an interesting uh, matron stakes as well. It's for three-year-old affiliate trotters. And you have Plunge Blue Chip who draws the rails. Sevyorum, who is second at the Red Mile, draws post number two. Lily Stride for trainer uh, Mark Harder. We talked a little bit about Lily Stride earlier in the program. Um, this is a pretty uh, stacked group with uh, a lot of the big heavy hitters towards the inside with I'm Pink 2 drawing post 7. And I kind of like I'm Pink 2, to be honest with you. I like this horse in the Breeders' Crown, and she made a break from the outside. She was super odds, and I had her underneath in my tickets. But I'm going to give number 7, I'm Pink 2, another opportunity, even though she doesn't draw very well. Race number da, 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 ten. 10. Race 10, three-year-old Philly Pacers in action. And uh, the morning line favorite at five to two is you are my candy girl. But again, another good wide open field. You've got Alexis power, Alexis faith, double a mint. I believe she is making her debut for the uh, Andrew Harris barn and a horse. I actually picked in the breeders crown Baron Remy, who starts from post eight had a lot of pace left at the end of that breeders crown mile. Didn't hit the board. I believe she finished fourth or fifth. I can't remember, but had a lot of pace towards the end. 
Yeah, Baron Remy is an interesting play, and it's really interesting to see that Chris Page is going to come over to drive uh, mm-hmm. for trainer Ron Burke. Uh, that's you know something that you definitely should take note of. Of course, Matt Kikale and Yannick Jingra are both in the race, but the fact that Chris Page gets the lineup on the drive of Baron Remy, he's been the regular driver. Uh, he actually won the uh, Courageous Lady Stakes at Northfield Park aboard Baron Remy, so it'll be uh, cool to see if those connections could team up for a matron stakes victory, of course, uh, down by the seaside, winning last year with Chris Page in the bike in the progress. The three-year-old Colt and Gelding Pacers in the matron, Mike. This is a heavyweight battle between Lather Up mm-hmm. and Jimmy Freight. The downtown bus, we remember the downtown bus from Pepsi North America Cup night. Uh, Schnitzel Do Something is in this race. Dorsodoro Hanover, Springsteen. It's another very, very good race, and I think this might help decide uh, – Maybe that three-year-old division, which has been kind of uh, up and down over the last couple of weeks. Tell you what, if you give me seven to two on Lather Up, I'm loading. Absolutely no, loading. That is what no. I'm a Lather Up race, the best race in the uh, in the uh, Breeders' Crown. This horse was parked a mile, still was coming at the end. I know Dorsodoro Hanover just freaked on that particular day, but look at the post difference. Post one, the post seven, and then you throw Jimmy Freight in the mix, who I think will take some money as well. Uh, Adriano, I believe, is in uh, – Adriano Sorello, the owner, I believe, is in Delaware, and we'll be watching yeah, the action yeah. from Dover. But uh, lather up at seven to two is a steal. If he's anywhere near seven to two, I think that is a complete overlay. Well, we'll have to wait and see. I, th- I think that this race could potentially have divisional honors written over it, and uh, so it'll be really cool to see who wins that heavyweight battle. Those are the matron stakes from Dover Downs. Uh, again, if you're driving out that way, if you're headed to Harris, Philadelphia, headed to Dover Downs tonight, please, 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 please be careful. Uh, the weather outside is uh, frightful, uh, so to speak, uh, at the present, as uh, Mike would say. And uh, I tell you what, uh, lots of big racing at Harris, lots of big racing at Dover. It's going to be a big weekend of racing action, my friend. Yeah, it certainly is. So make sure uh, make sure you check out Harness Racing Track near. By the way, real quick before we let you go, we want to give one more shout out to uh, our good friends and sponsors of the show, Windback Farm, Courtly Choice, and Boston Red Rocks. In 2019, they'll both be standing at Windback in New York. Of course, Courtly Choice, Meadowlands Pace, Little Brown Jug winner at Boston Red Rocks. Who, by the way, is still was the winner of one of my favorite race calls of all time. The Ken Middleton over the green monster call. That was, Oh, was that such a great race call? But oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 2015, two year old, uh, cold pacer of the year, uh, breeders crown champion. So both he and courtly choice will be standing at Winback of New York. Anything else? Oh, real quick, Mike, Mr. Bill G, our good friends for pacing for the cure, Mr. Bill G, who was named for uh, Jeff Gessick's dad, uh, who passed away from multiple sclerosis, broke his maiden over the last couple of days. So hats oh, right. off. Awesome. Congratulations to our guy, <clears throat> Mr. Bill G. Still got a week for the awards, right, for, for nominations? Oh, yeah, still got a week for award nominations. Make sure that you're getting those award nominations in. And, uh, you know, listen, let's let's keep them rolling in. Uh, we need as many as possible. Uh, we'll narrow each division down to five with the help of our panel. Excuse the yawn there. Uh, you know, the, the weather makes me a little sleepy. What could I say? But uh, for Mike Bozich, I'm Mike Carter. Thanks so much for joining us here on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the USTA and Bet America. See everybody next Thursday for the first post of 1030. Get those nominations in. See everybody next week.
Stay here I know 